What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 100, and who knows how many. That's right, we are in quarantine now for about three and a half months. Uh, up is left, down is far. We don't know what the heck's going on, but we're somewhere in the hundreds range. And I got to tell you, do we have a special treat here? Let's take a look and see who's out there riding across green pastures on a Brahma bull into the sunset. Ladies and gentlemen, now batting cleanup for the Outfielder Podcast, number three, the great Sam Bino. Ah, uh, it's Sam. Hey, Sam, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you? I'm doing great. It is good to have you here. And uh, for those who normally listen to the show, you may be wondering two things. One, when did Ben come back? But that's bearing the lead here. The better question is, where is JMac, founder of Numero Uno? Sam, do you have any updates in this? I think he's off taking on your intern duties, figuring out where the hell all those fucking idiots are. I, I hear that. I heard he has one really good intern candidate, but they're still working out some of the kinks. So definitely best of luck to J-Mac and Claire. They're, uh, they're making it happen. I've also heard that he's trying to turn this into a lobbying effort to get Rob Manfred fired. You know, I actually have uh, read some tweets about that as well. Why would anyone be mad at Rob Manfred? I feel like for the 2020 baseball season, there's been no drama whatsoever. I think he's doing a tremendous and perfect job on every call he's on. So I don't know why anybody would want to find a new commissioner of baseball. Baseball's good, right? Baseball's good. We're watching a lot of every MLB day. and the players oh, are really happy. That's uh, that's exactly where we want to kick things off today. So uh, definitely J-Mac's going to be out of the studio for at least one, maybe a few weeks, but we definitely wish him the best of luck. Uh, rumor has it there's a baby. Anyway, so here's what we're going to do on this. We've got a couple of huge, huge stories to cover, and we want to make sure that we hit it going hard. Um, number one, Rob Manfred actually tweeted today, that he was not really convinced that there might be baseball this year. Have you seen that, Sam? I I have seen that. And the commissioner of baseball, like trying to float out that idea is just bullshit. Shouldn't he, shouldn't he just be like fucking full, full force, be trying to figure out the quickest way to get this going and not saying like, well, I don't, I don't know. Why don't you, I just work here, man. You should ask like somebody yeah, else. That's whether like happen. the, the janitor. <laughs> response and we don't want the janitor response we want the commissioner response so here's a little context uh as i'm sure everyone is aware we are in quarantine it is lockdown we're not going outside uh people are riding in the streets for the right reasons because black lives matter we all know that here's the thing here's what's going on on march 26th rob manfred and the players association mlb and the players association signed a deal and the deal said that salaries would be prorated based on games played or not played that seems pretty fair right i will say yes it sounds very fair there's a there's a small like clause in there that's missing from that and that's around fan um attendance they would yes. have prorated all of those games if fans were in attendance and that's kind of off the table these days. Exactly. And for obvious reasons, social distancing and what have you. Um, here's the thing though, since that March 26th thing for those keeping track at home, I believe there's been three different false starts of um, basically 
MLB proposes X, players union shoots it down. MLB proposes Y, players union counter proposes. So there's been a real royal back and forth and it's a bad look overall. So how do you think this is going, Sam? What do you think? Well, I, I, I think I'd just like to address uh, the janitor comment just for a moment, if I could. <laughs> okay, because, because janitors, it's my understanding. I haven't been a janitor yet. Um, but janitors tend to clean up shit from other people. And Rob Manfred is actually cleaning up his own shit. He's created a lot of these problems. And I just, I'd like to call out that there's a very important distinction between a janitor and Rob Manfred in that way, because he's creating the things that he's now having to clean up. No, oh, okay. I think that that's fair. So in that case, zooming out, what's your take on uh, will there be baseball? And then I'll read you this tweet he has here. Yeah, sorry. I actually don't think there's going to be any baseball because he's basically um, like gaslighting the audience, the, the, the entire fan fandom into thinking that that's a thing. Exactly. So I, I have, I have Did I use gaslighting, to... right? Maybe I don't, maybe that's just a term that I thought was applicable. Did I use gaslighting right just now? Kind of. It's more where you're like, um, faux socializing an idea and then tricking someone into like believing it and kind of normalizing mm -hmm. something that's not actually normal. I think maybe he's just getting them ready for that idea rather than tricking them. Okay. okay. I, I see that. So Here's here's where where it looks like happened. So they had the issues in March. They signed the thing, um, and then April, back and forth. May, back and forth. June, back and forth. They could have been playing games by the Fourth of July. And this is what the what uh, Jeff Passan broke today on Twitter. Breaking. Uh, this is a quote: MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred tells ESPN Greeny which is just a wonderful name that he's not confident there will be a 2020 baseball season. Quote, unfortunately, unquote, Manfred said, quote, I can't tell you that I'm a hundred percent certain that's going to happen. End quote. End tweet. What do you think? I think ESPN Greenies is a really good handle. We need to have like a SLM Brownie. We need to designate somebody to be that person. That sounds rather cosmic. <laughs> so here's, Here's my take overall on this. Um, what the hell is going on, baseball? Like, we said this in April. You had a chance to, when, when the KBO happened, which we'll talk about later today, when the KBO happened, you had a choice to be the first freaking sport out there. You know, there was no talk of basketball. There was no talk of hockey. Football was still four months away. You had every opportunity to reclaim the throne as America's pastime and you pissed it away. And guess yeah. what? For the fans, it looks like all that you did was argue and argue about billions of dollars. I think it's a bad look for the players, even though I agree with them. I think it's a terrible look for ownership. Um, but at the end of the day, the fan is the person getting crapped on. Yeah, it's not a good look. I think everyone's getting screwed and the owners in because they are just rolling in cash are kind of like, well, I guess we just shut down business for a year. And to, I, I've said this a number of times, but they're just, they're unwilling to take a loss. And it, it looks like they might get away with taking, I don't know. Yeah, surely there's some sort of financial loss without having any baseball this year, but like a significantly smaller loss by not paying players what they deserve. Yeah, I think it's, they're effectively thinking that they're going to be in the in the 
right, but not realizing long term what it's going to do to their brand. I think the 94 strike, I think the resurgence of um, basketball, plus the association's ability to let their players be personalities and let them have a personality off of the court. I think that that's something that baseball's lacking. If J-Mac were here, he would say he's been saying this for years, that MLB just does a piss poor job in marketing itself uh, or allowing the players to sort of capitalize on their own popularity. And in doing this, MLB is shooting itself in the foot. They're not letting the players capitalize on their popularity, and they're not thinking long-term about the ramifications of you take one of the four biggest sports, arguably the third biggest sport in the country, and you make it go away for an entire year, you're not going to be the third biggest sport anymore. Right. I mean, if you, the most congruent, excuse me, the most congruent example that I can think of is around, and maybe this is just because I went to the school, but SMU got the death penalty in NCAA football. They couldn't have a foot, they couldn't have a football program for a couple of years. They couldn't recruit anybody. They couldn't do anything. MLB can still have the draft and they did. Um, but the, the sport at that place was never the same. Imagine doing that across a whole a whole goddamn league. Like, it's not going to be a good look. The quality of play is going to be terrible. Players are going to be super pissed going into a CBA year. This does, this does not bode well at all. And, you know, you got, like, the Boston Red Sox doing strange things with their uh, minor league affiliate stadiums. They're, like, opening up restaurants on the field and shit like that. I mean, they're really just... They're they've thrown in the towel, right? Yeah, I I think that that's aside from the wonderful food puns that we could have even if the stadium was open. I think that it's it's not a good look. And here's the real, you know, sort of Ben baseball puts on his tinfoil hat and starts wondering about conspiracies is how much of this is MLB wanting to deliberately water down or saturate their product in order to give the owners a stronger position at the table next year uh, in um, you know the collective bargaining agreements? Oh, like they want baseball to be worth less so they owe less? Not necessarily that they want it to be worth less, but by not having a season, the players as an entity are going to be more desperate for money and mm. more willing to, uh, you know, to sign an unfavorable deal. Yeah, that's more like a chokehold than a water down, right? Yeah, okay, that's fair. I just, you know, justice uh, for George Floyd too, didn't want yeah, maybe a little too topical. My bad. That but that, <laughs> I mean, really, they're just like, they're going to be a little desperate to your point. Yes, and and so therefore they're going to be more likely to to take that bad deal. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit. Um, well, and, and that's that's the other thing too. Is I, you know I I agree with your point that the the owners are business people and they don't want to take the loss. I'm not saying that everyone is a Robert Kraft or a Jerry Jones level of like wealth, you know, but the, they're not eating DiGiorno tonight. You know what I mean? Don't knock DiGiorno. It's actually a fine replacement for any of the big box places. Hold on. Hold on. All right. We will get to frozen pizza talk here momentarily. I'm adding that to the agenda, but let's let's keep going on on, on baseball this year, first and foremost. Um, so if you were a wagering individual, what are the odds that baseball is coming back? Or do you think in your opinion of opinions that baseball is coming back? I think it's a, still a coin flip for me. 
I think there's a, a good chance that they figure it out somehow. Either the players cave now or they cave during the CBA. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw baseball this year. I would be equally um, surprised if we didn't. Okay. So when does CBA talk? Is that after what would have been the World Series in October? I mean, would that be in November? Yes. Yeah. I think this, win- this winter, right? Yeah, generic offseason, right? Okay. Yeah. So as a result of that, it feels to me that baseball is not coming back. And my opinion is that today, uh, you know, like when your commissioner is tweeting out, well, I don't know if we're going to have any baseball. It makes me think that we're just um, that we're all screwed. I'll bet you one meatless pizza from DiGiorno that you are wrong. Okay. I, I will take that wager. And it's funny because a food wager I actually owed Justin a quesadilla based on something a week and a half ago. And I kid you not, I almost Uber Eats or DoorDash like a Taco Bell quesadilla to him. But he sent me a text and he goes, we'll just do it if baseball ever comes back at the ball field. Which, by the way, full credit. He just upgraded his $3.50 Taco Bell quesadilla to a $14 ballpark quesadilla. So well played. You know, like yeah. when he listens back to the tape, well played on his part. Um, <laughs> all right. So before we talk about sign stealing, I, I got to ask, what's what's your go-to frozen pizza? You and Mrs. Sambino are at the store, your local eatery. You know, you're in the frozen food aisle. You're skipping the ice cream because I don't know if they sell Bluebell in, in Georgia. They do. It, delicious. There's some in the freezer right this minute. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So you've you've gone past the ice cream. You're almost to the yogurts and the cottage cheese, but you see the frozen pizza. What cottage what, cheese that you eat is in the frozen section? I need to know. No, no, no. I'm saying like you're walking through the frozen almost to the refrigerated. <laughs> Got it. Uh, actually, this is going to be like a really hipster answer. I actually make my own pizza more Jesus than I order Christ. or buy pizza. Okay. That's fucking true. I make my own dough and I make my own toppings and I make my own pizza. It's so one like, of the few joys I have in life is cooking and I don't don't fuck up pizza that well. If I do like, buy frozen, it is a DiGiorno. Okay. So if you if you do frozen, you you knock out the DiGiorno. What level of hipster are we talking about? Like, for example, I know you're making your own dough. Are you mixing your own sauce? Are you killing your own pig to get your your pepperoni like what what's your level of uh, so, artisanal hipsters aren't killing their own pigs that often are they is that a thing that i missed maybe in texas yeah good point no um dough making my own dough making my own sauce white or red or green um like fr- from scratch materials like i'm not I've got the like short. If I'm gonna make a short rib Brussels sprout pizza, I've got the short ribs. I'm gonna stew them all day, and cook them down and make it delicious. I'm not. I'm not like making my own cheese and making my own yeast. Got it. Okay. All right. That's that's fair. So now I feel really bad because I'm about to talk up Red Baron. (laughs) (laughs) Red Baron's good. That's a great drunk pizza, right? It's crispy crust. Yum yums. Like your three dollar fifty cent action, and you're over there braising short ribs with Brussels sprouts. Yeah, there's the, there's one expression in life that I think holds true. There is no bad pizza. I've never that's had fair. a bad pizza. I think somebody might say that they might have. I think they'd be lying. That's that's good. Um, okay, no, that's that's. Uh, I think that's a worthwhile worthwhile endeavor. 
uh, a pivot, as it were, in the podcast community. I don't know that we could necessarily do a full multi-series thing on pizza, but I love it. I do have one I, pizza I and a challenge for that. you. Challenge. All challenge. Right. We could definitely do a multi-part. If, if we are still locked down in 2021, I swear to God, we're doing a, a pizza podcast. It's and we have be great. Been, and we haven't been shut down by That's then. Right. We'll do it. So um, I do have a pizza. Uh, I do have a pizza um, anecdote for you, and uh, I'm gonna tell any parent who's listening with their kids, or any um, you know uh, person who has young people in their house, just maybe maybe skip the next two to three minutes, okay? All right, there's your there's your spoiler alert warning. Okay, are we good? Thumbs up, awesome. Ear, so Christmas Eve. <laughs> My mom convinces uh, my twin brother and I that Santa Claus is absolutely sick of milking cookies because he has that at every single house. So a tradition in the Ben Baseball household growing up was that while my dad was working second shifts, we would make homemade pizza from scratch every single Christmas Eve to leave out pizza and beer for Santa. Take? Your dad is a genius. Yeah. Absolute genius. So that's like the Christmas Eve meal, in my opinion, is you make homemade pizza and you leave out pizza and beer for Santa. Santa's wrapping the rest of the presents, drinking your beer and eating the pizza. That's good. That's what that's I'm saying. So fucking awesome dad move. Yeah. So if you need if you need ideas and truthfully. I think it was my I think it was my mom's idea. I think dad was just the happy, you know, the happy little, oh cool, this is nice. Way to go, Kim Baseball. But I think that the real hero here is uh is Kim Baseball. <laughs> That's so good. Holy shit. How do we how have you as a father done any trickery around that? Like oh well oh no, Easter's all of a sudden about like we go grocery shopping and then you mow the lawn. <laughs> Not quite. I I am wondering about uh, about Father's Day next week, but but realistically, it's it we're 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 pretty traditional here. Um, in the in the baseball household, there's there's not a ton of of that. We we keep it more the by the book, the the cookies and and all that stuff. Not a bad place to be. No, there are, never there are certainly worse places to be. And this is what we call a segue or a pivot, because traditionally in baseball, sign stealing is a part of the game. Would you agree? Fundamentally, yes. Absolutely. Where people take issue with it, myself included, is when technology comes to mind. No technology allowed. You're not allowed to have any advancements at all, other than a guy on second stealing the signs from the catcher. Exactly. A runner on second, that's it. And that's there's right. no rule. There's no written rules on signs or sign stealing or anything. Yeah. No, that's exactly. We, on this podcast in the episode 70s or 80s, we've went through the freaking rule book about this. Okay. So here's what we're going to do is I'm going to go through and reset some stage. We have talked about the Astro sign stealing scandal a lot. We talked about it with the Red Sox. Excuse me. We've definitely covered a, a bunch of this, but I just want to reset it here a little bit. Basically, the first prominent incident happened in the summer of 2017. The Yankees alleged that the Red Sox were using an Apple Watch to track signs. Now, Boston admitted to violating the rules, and then um, 
Rob Manfred in September of 17, uh, Major League Baseball's head clown, told all of the teams, hey, look, future violations of this type will be subject to more serious sanctions, including possible loss of draft draft picks. That went to all 30 teams. We good so far. We're good. I just I want to seize this opportunity with Justin gone to really say how guilty the Red Sox are because he will find any way to dodge and shift blame. And let's talk about the Astros. Let's talk about the other team. Let's talk about how everybody's doing it and we don't have any proof. He's right in that there are other teams that have clearly been guilty of this. But the the Red Sox are like still very guilty of a very bad. They're quite culpable in all of this. And yes. uh, I he's gone. He's not here. Like fuck the Red Sox. They did really bad things. Alex core is a piece of shit. And I, you know, Carlos Beltran has a lot to speak for, I think as well, unrelated to the Red Sox. <laughs> Just All everything. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the sun is so bright. Like why? Yes. All right. So in 20 and 2017, then uh, the Astros continue to orchestrate their elaborate sign stealing scandal. Okay. You remember the video feed, the trash can banging, and they ended up winning the World Series that year. Okay. Piece of shit. With you. All right. And I'm I'm paraphrasing some of this from a very biased site called Pinstripe Alley, which, you know, they're Yankees bias. I don't care about that right now. I'm just getting the timeline. Okay. The Red Sox had a similar scheme in 2018 and they also won the World Series. There was no trash can that we know of. And the investigation subsequently, you know, uh, was lackluster at best, but it all came to head in 2019. Ken Resendahl of The Athletic sort of exposed the scandal. This was the fallout. Astros fired their general manager, A.J. Hinch, their one year suspended. Uh, assistant Astros GM uh, got a lifetime ban. Also, he was a, a fuckface, so, you know, middle finger to him. Uh, the Astros, um, excuse me, the Red Sox fired Alex Cora. Cora was suspended. Carl's Beltran resigned from the Mets, op, uh, the Mets manager. Without having uh, managed a game. Zero yeah. games managed, already resigned. They're so Mets. That's no wins or no losses. Depends on how you look at it. He's batting uh, zero. Yes. The Red Sox replay operator, TJ Watkins, received a one-year suspension. Uh, Red Sox had to give up second-round pick. Uh, Astros gave up uh, first and second round or first and second round picks this year and next year, and then Astros had a five million dollar fine. Right? So we good so far? Yeah, it's the TJ thing is just too much. They're like, oh, well, we fired the video guy. It's like, was he really at the top of this? Yeah, no, that's is that really um, is that really justice? Not in the slightest. That okay. to me is he didn't even know his job was to fall on the sword, but he fell on the sword. Sorry, you're on a roll. I didn't want to stop you, except I, I couldn't help but mention that that's really not solving the problem, getting rid of the analyst on the video. No, that's that's like um, your dog keeps... Uh, no, I'm not even going to go there. Okay, so here's what we need to... Here's what, what came to light this most, recent, uh, this most recent week. So a couple different things here. Number one, it was tweeted out by... Um, let's see who it was by Joe Rivera. Um, so the, the Yankees are now perpetually, perpet, potentially culpable in this. So a source, uh, this is this is from his Twitter. That's at Joe Rivera SN. So a source told me late last year that the Yankees allegedly had three different cameras set up in the outfield in 2017, left, right, and center, trained on the catcher's mitt to steal signs. These signs would be decoded in the dugout and relayed to a hitter during the games and at-bats. 
It had been happening in 2017 and before, really the stuff we kind of all know about. Um, yeah. And then according to this source, the Yankees have four guys who strictly go over signs during a game, revealing signs to players live in the moment during an at-bat. When a player made it to second, the signs would be relayed to the hitter. According to the source, there were multiple teams who were using different methods of sign stealing, including the Yankees, Rangers, Royals, and Phillies. Uh, and then he finalizes his tweets with, I'd like to point out that this is one source who told me these things, and I've had a fair level of difficulty verifying some of the finer details of the sign stealing coming from New York. But from what I gather, it's much more widespread than what MLB wants you to think. And here's where it kind of all comes to head. That's one person's allegation. What's happening in the courts this week is, you remember those people at DraftKings? Well, DraftKings, yeah, they filed a class action suit against Major League Baseball and the Astros and the Red Sox filed in January saying that sign stealing operations compromised the games of fair play. Yeah. Which corrupted the fantasy baseball activities and they're suing to recover wages, fees, attorneys, etc. Rightfully so. I mean, if betting is allowed, betting has been tampered with. So the thing is, they um there was a letter where the Yankees uh, heard from Major League Baseball, allegedly, and they're trying to sue and subpoena to have the letter released. It's a highly confidential thing that talks about uh, whether the Yankees were or were not cheating. So this is uh, from uh, NYC reporter. Uh, he's saying that the Yankees aren't wanting to cooperate because it would be it would remind the public that the Yankees were also fined in 2017 for cheating, but he's thinking that there isn't an Astros Red Sox type scheme. What do you think, Sam? Do you think that this is Astros Red Sox level? Do you think it's worse? We've kind of heard oh. a couple different sides on it. Yeah, so um, I, I'm with <clears throat> Justin and his prevailing thought that there's probably a lot of teams that are doing this. Somebody rattled off a bunch of teams. I heard like Royals, Rangers, some other Phillies. teams. Yeah, Phillies, Phillies. and I, I believe that some other teams are involved. Whether those are the teams, kind of TBD, you'd think that those teams would probably be better. Right now, we're only hearing evidence of the teams that are really good and successful, right? You've got the Yankees who are like perennially in the, in the uh, playoffs. Boston just won one. The Astros just won one. These are the teams that are it's getting pinned on. So that raises some red flags for me. Um, probably thinking that there, there, there's more teams involved and we're really just focused on the ones that have been successful at it. And then this sounds like a far more orchestrated effort than some of the other ones. There's no trash cans and like massage guns involved. We're not like that. I mean, can, can we agree that that was like a really grassroots effort to like communicate to the hitter what the pitch was going to be? I mean, we're banging on a trash can for fuck's sake. Yeah, that to me, I mean, yeah, I know that we've already talked about JT Watkins and, you know, like the dude on the field in the room. This feels more um, systematic. This feels more, um, you know, like... If you remember the movie Dodgeball, this is your Globo Jim as opposed to your average Joe's. Ooh, I like that. <clears throat> I think 
the the thing that differentiates it for me from the other schemes that are like pretty well pretty well documented by the MLB itself and the uh, the body that's in charge of investigations that we clearly need to be on the board of. Um, there's three cameras. You've got all the other schemes were camera in center, so like right down the pipe. You're pretty much near where the press camera is watching pitches, mm-hmm. and that that's bad enough. This has the Yankees putting a camera in the left, center, and right so that they can get the perspective of the signs no matter the position of the catcher or runners or you know defensemen on, on the infield or umpires for that matter. And that to me says... I think we've tried we've tried this before and we didn't get what we needed out of one camera. Let's add two more and get to three. You know? Like right. It's did you automatically jump to three or did you absolutely iterate on the process and get to three? That to me says that um, there was some trial and error and they're they're far more more guilty. And um, maybe this is just the conspiracy theorist in me, but there's probably like back office guys trading secrets on how to do this best between clubhouses. I would presume if they're not incentivized to make the playoffs, like TJ Watkins might be incentivized to tell the Phillies how best to do it. We don't know. Right. Well, you know, and that's the thing that, that we don't know is we don't know a, you know, is your generic camera operator person, you know, where's their motivation to, keep it honest or where's their motivation to try to get the get their team to the playoffs you know where's their motivation to give the secrets to another team you know to the next highest bidder we don't know we that's where that's where that's why the role of this podcast is to ask questions because yes we know that cheating happens but we're always going to expect better here at the outfielder podcast you know and to me to compare the way that these cheating things are happening like the Red Sox are basically my like Red Baron frozen pizza at 10 o'clock at night. Um, the Astros are like the DiGiorno that J Mac and, and, and Claire Peachy are like adding toppings to before they throw it in the oven. So it's a little more upgraded, but it still has a trash can that they're beating on. And the Yankees in this are the greatest of all known Sambinos marinating a pork loin for some special arugula pork loin pie in his uh, brick oven in his backyard pizza stone, whatever. That, to me, is what's happening here. Let's be very clear. The vessel for cooking is not fancy. It's an oven. The ingredients are quality, and I put my love into them, and I will not apologize for this. And I bet the Yankees won't either. They won't have to. No, and that's that's the thing too is who do you think holds more power? Major League Baseball or the New York Yankees? Well, the Yankees are baseball. Let's let's just be real here. They've got Rob Manfred in his pocket. He's not gonna fucking unredact that letter that he's supposed to release, right? Exactly. So the letter's supposed to come out this Friday, and um I really don't think there's gonna be anything of substance there. And I think it's because he will refuse to um you know, have Roger Goodell like clown levelness of of you know happening. Now Goodell earned a little bit of points in my book when he finally apologized to Kaepernick and all that stuff from all the all the stuff in 2017. But even a even a, a clown on a good day is still a clown. Totally, and the damage is done at that point. Like four four years back, who gives a shit? You you can't get Kaepernick 
a good a legit shot at a quarterback position. That's talking football though. So <laughs> I have a, a weird question for you. Please. What who and I don't know if I, I certainly don't know the answer to this. I don't know baseball front offices, executives, past coaches well enough to answer this question, but maybe you do. And maybe something we pose to J Mac, but Rob Manfred's clearly fucking this up. Like he's fucked up the COVID situation with the collective oh bargaining agreement. He's not well handling in a judicious way, in my opinion, the um, cheating scandals across the three teams. There's no continuity in, in the way that they're being handled or punished. Like it's not, it's just not a good look and it's a, a bad job. Like a good leader does an okay job when things are really hard and everybody's okay with the way things went. Things are going really badly in some situations where we just need someone to like make things okay. That's not happening. Who, 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 who's, who, who would do the, who would do a better job? Like I, it's not, I'm not trying to quiz you. Cause again, I don't know the answer, but well, like, I want to know who would do a better job. Like this, it's not an easy job. I'm not trying to defend the guy, but like, who should be voted in next? Who's the well, next guy? So that's the thing is, with football, Goodell is appointed by the owners, so you know he's a mouthpiece of the owner, even though he's oh, not an okay. owner themselves. That's with football, though. With baseball, my understanding is that it's someone who has some sort of an ownership stake. Because didn't Bud Selig? Oh own the brewers or twins or something you got me so but that um, that's the case then well and, and that's what i'm wondering is is what was manfred doing before um let me see here i'm actually pulling it up right now because a great researcher pulls it up so he took over from bud selig before he was um he was just the chief operating officer so let's see in 87 he worked during the 87 CBA. He was outside counsel for the owners during the strike. What a fuck. Um, yeah, he's just a dude. Just a dude. Like, mm. yeah, whereas Bud Selig. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, is there, if you need, if it requires ownership, who is a good owner? who we would want to make a play for. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about what's next because this just isn't working for me. <laughs> well, and I'm not, I'm not saying that he's, he's better or worse than Selig was, but what I am saying is he's not good. And I agree with your point that there needs to be someone else who's able to show leadership in times of crisis. Hmm. It's very sad. It's very sad for everybody. Nobody's just, winning. Yeah, no one's winning, and it just makes me mad. And I'm a fan. Like, I remember going to my first baseball game 25 years ago next month. Like, distinctly. This whole thing is just horseshit, and baseball will continue to lose fans. They'll continue to lose popularity, not only because of the COVID stuff that we spoke about earlier in the hour, but so much of it based on the fact that they can't get this right. Because imagine, just imagine, we don't have a 2020 season as a result of coronavirus. As a fan, people understand that. They question it when basketball's back, when hockey's back, when football acts like nothing ever happened. So, okay, that's that's like the groundwork. We have now set the table. Now let's add to it botched cheating scandals with at least three teams and go one step further. 
Now we have COVID, no season, botched cheating scandals, and then finally the potential of a labor stoppage. If you get a work stoppage on top of this in the offseason, baseball is going to be less popular than Major League fucking soccer. I would say okay? I put it below tennis, maybe below tennis even. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like You're definitely going to get passed by hockey. Hockey will be number three. Major League Soccer is going to be number four. What? Yeah, you're right. Hockey, golf, excuse me, tennis, golf. Who knows? All I'm saying is baseball is just barely, barely hanging on with a skeleton grip on the shadow of what they once were, and it's because they can't get these crises right. And it's not all Manfred's fault because Selig fouled it up in 94, but they continue to mess this up and... That's why we're here is to hold their feet to the fire and to always be ready for when they're given the three of us a chance to run this damn show. And when Justin I, comes back, he'll be right there with us. We can be a three person committee in charge of major league baseball where we're setting the goddamn rules. What do you think, Sam? I had a dream uh, that I haven't acted upon yet. I had a dream um, where I took a year off baseball. Like I did not watch baseball because of all the shit that's going on, I was like, I'm protesting them out. I'm not watching baseball. I'm not doing the podcast. I'm writing a letter to the commissioner and all the owners saying how how much of a fan I've been and my age bracket that you need to capture. And here's how you fucked up. And I'm not watching you. You're terrible. I'm not the only one, I promise. But well, I'm, right. I'm that's that's really the thing. Not- and so... And no, I, I hear that. Like your level of agitation um, is palatable and and completely justified. And you know, this isn't a rage cast. We're not here to just you know make myself look like a cherry tomato on the webcam in order to to like try to get this going. What we're talking about is, is your blood pressure. Okay. Never. No, it's uh, it's the lighting in this room, and I've been spending a lot of time outside. I'll, I'll tell you about the pool here in a little bit. Okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. Um, baseball needs to figure this out. They don't need tiny little changes. They don't need to, to plant an apple seed that they hope grows into a tree in 35 years. They need to be taking drastic actions to become cool again, uh, Chris Rock had a video go viral in 2012 or 2013 talking about how, you know, baseball's not cool anymore for kids hmm. or for the black community. And if they want to be popular, you know, like bring back reasons for baseball to be popular. The general public doesn't care about Hasidic beards or about whatever. Like, it, it doesn't matter. What they want is some semblance of cool because right now it's just a bunch of baby boomer white dudes who are pocketing money. Can I just say that, well, while a lot of what you said is true, you can't actually build on any popularity tactics if you're not playing the game. Yes. If you're not doing what you were doing last year, you can't build on it. Yeah. So you a might big part well be, of becoming more yeah. popular is continuing play so you can make the product better. And this is a big part of uh, that not happening. Absolutely. I, I think you you hit the <laughs> nail right on the head as, as usual. Uh, let me know if your dream is going to come true. Uh, we don't want to lose you on this pod, but I definitely understand. I sat out football for an entire year. Uh, the only game I watched was the Army-Navy game. <laughs> football sucks. Just throwing it out there.
<laughs> okay. So um, before we get into Korean baseball talk, speaking of baseball that's being played, uh, do you want to hear about this pool situation? I would love nothing more. Okay. So I have a house. I no longer live in my in-laws garage and it has a yard. It's a nice sizable yard. Um, I haven't dug any holes in it before J-Mac comes back and asks. There's no Viet Cong tunnel system. Question last episode. We were curious about the quantity, quality and depth of the holes. Uh, I did have to do some shovel work, but thank you. Um, and I'll, I'll explain it momentarily. Explain so, what that means. I'll tell you. Guess, wait. Okay. So here's the thing. Don't shake your head. Here's the thing. So um, one of my kiddos turned six last month, and we got one of those, like, you know, 1,000-gallon inflatable pools for the backyard, right? I bought it online in a resale group and whatever. No big deal. I set it up, and on our birthday, they could go swimming. You with 1, me so 000, far, right? 1, yeah, 1,000 gallons. Yeah, That's so it, it has... A, it has an inflatable ring at the top. It's 10 feet in diameter. And as you fill it with water, the vinyl raises. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, supply and demand. You can't find them anywhere anymore. Like we were just barely lucky to get it. Um, the real long, long dart situation where it's like banned and it just killed a bunch of kids. You can't do it anymore. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's purely there. Uh, I'll get to it here. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Okay. So we bought this thing. And uh, we we were like, oh, there was a hole in it. The woman gave us our money back. She should just throw it away. No big deal. I said, okay, cool. So I go out and I buy a replacement. It's a little smaller. Um, but we get this replacement pool. It's now up. We have it for two or three weeks. Everything's going good. But for those who listen to this pod, know that back in February, my wife and I got a golden doodle puppy. And puppies like to chew. And the dog ate the damn pool. So, so you patch it and it's fine, right? I wish I could say that because she ripped the nozzle where you inflate it off. So I couldn't even patch it. So I just had this sad looking vinyl water ball in my backyard that I then drained. Okay. So now I'm out two pools in three weeks and it's just terrible. But that lawn, I bet that lawn is green as hell. So green, man. Just so green. But I learned some things. I learned some lessons. One, nothing inflatable with the dogs. Two, um, my yard wasn't super level. So my wife finds a 12-foot by you know 30-inch deep, 1,700-gallon pool with like a steel frame. My kids are probably in it as we're recording this podcast. So we buy the thing, and I decide, hey, I can't have my backyard slanted. Well, what does Ben Baseball do? <laughs> But he gets a. What are you laughing at? That that's not that funny. <laughs> I get a whole bunch of dirt from my in-laws' house in the bed of a pickup truck, and my dumbass is out back flattening the lawn so that way I can put a a stand-up pool there. That's a good day. That's a real good day. So yes. Yeah, so uh, Saturday evening, I'm like shoveling dirt Sunday. I'm assembling this pool, put in water chemicals. It now is, is up and running 1700 gallons of crystal clear water, uh, hanging out in Ben baseball's backyard. So that's, that's, that's the, the three pool stories. Whew. That's a lot of water, man. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if you know this, I'm kind of a cheapskate, like underline the word kind of there. 
when we took water from the first pool with the hole in it and we put up the second pool, I legit gave the kids Home Depot buckets and they had to take water from one pool, walk it across the yard and bucket it into the second pool. You fill a five gallon barrel bucket with water. That thing weighs 50 pounds. So I was using the big one. They had to use like reusable popcorn buckets from the movie theater. Well, good on you. That's just that's just good practice. But still, that's a fuckload of water you wasted. How do you feel about that? Not great. But you know what I feel even worse about? So nothing. here's the thing. You yeah, nothing at all ever. No, so here's the thing. What you mentioned earlier is why are these things so so rare, right? Why did I have a hard time finding it? And this is what I feel bad about. Because if you go to a store, whether it be your your Target, your Walmart, you know, even your Amazon, you cannot find these things anymore because public pools are closed due to COVID. So everyone wants to put one of these in their backyard. There's a shortage. There is a shortage. It is pure supply and demand. Well, as anyone knows, if I am in a playoff push and I need to shore up my uh, pitching, I will pay a premium for a pitching. So the thing that I pay bad about and I feel bad about is I probably paid for this last pool three times what sticker price would have been. And I do not regret that. You pay nothing for your bailing. That is done by the children. Yes, exactly. Yes, the bailing. No, but what I'm saying is to to drive to freaking an hour away to pick up a pool from some stranger's garage that I'm Venmoing three times the sticker price on. It was an interesting weekend. That's just like any Black Friday where the latest toy is out of stock and somebody's got 1,200 of them in their garage and you're paying 3x over sticker. You know, I kid you not, J-Mac and I used to work with a guy who legit tried to do this and be like that dude that buys all the, you know, whatever it was, the 2016 version of Furbies and buys them off the shelf and then tries to sell them out of his, you know, Toyota Camry like a piece of crap. There's a Schwarzenegger movie about this. Uh, Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way. Exactly. Phil Hartman. The late, great Phil Hartman. What a terrible movie. I don't doubt that. I do not doubt it at all. Um, Yeah. But pretty good. So anyway, that is the swimming pool story. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Where's your head at? How you feeling? I only have two thumbs. Otherwise, you'd have many more thumbs up. But you get it. You get the two. That's all I got. Thank you. I appreciate it. And speaking of thumbs up, let's talk about the Korean baseball organization. That's right. The KBO is here. And Sam Bino, I think your team is earning way more than two thumbs up. What's going on in Korea? Yeah. So uh, for those uninitiated, the three of us, uh, J-Mac, Ben Baseball, Great Sambito, each picked a team out of the KBO at the start of the season to be sort of our horse. We wanted to watch baseball. It, ESPN signed a contract to get KBO games on live TV. They also show the recordings later in the afternoon when that's a slow news day, which is every day um, in the sports world. So you you can watch KBO baseball on ESPN and ESPN2. And... Uh, we, we've been doing some of that. I chose a team. Ben chose a team and J-Mac chose a team. My team, uh, I chose literally like sight unseen. I didn't look at the stats. I didn't look at the history of the team, current players, none of that shit. I chose it based on the name of the team, like a true 
seven-year-old girl. I chose the the NC Dinos. Um, That's a a team that's in Korea, and they are fantastic. I looked at the (laughs) I looked at the stats after I chose the name. I was like, all right, let's see what I've let's see what I I'm gonna unpack this present that I just gave myself. I'm like, oh shit, they're literally the worst team that the KBO has ever had. This team is is if they continue on their current pace, they will be the best team in KBO history. They are 26 and 9. It's a little unfortunate. They have so, the best, they have the best ERA, they have the most home runs, they have the most doubles, highest batting average, highest OPS. They are crushing every part of the game and it's been like it, it's it's been fun to watch. I've probably watched four or five NC games um, and then probably maybe 10 games across all the other nine teams in the KBO. And these guys are, if I had to put their skill set somewhere, it's somewhere between double A AA and triple A, if I had to guess. Okay. But it's a lot, of fun, a lot of fun to watch, I admit. I mean, there's no baseball anywhere else, so where else am I going to get my fix? No, absolutely. And and that's the thing is, is you definitely lucked out. I love your idea of I'm just going to pick based on the name. Uh, I did the same thing and I'll share that in just a moment. But do we remember who Justin's team was? Justin chose the Doosan Bears. They that's are, right. uh, upon further analysis, effectively the Boston Red Sox of the KBO, which is just so on brand for that motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean they cheated? I'm just kidding. Um, they, they didn't cheat. They're perennially like top Five always. Okay. They're always good. That you can always bet on them to do to do good things. They're twenty one and thirteen. That's that by MLB standards. That's a that's a six eighteen win percentage. That's incredible. They're really that's good. very good. Absolutely. So way to go, Bears. Uh, I too tried to do Sam's idea of just pick based on the name, and I chose the SK uh, Waverns. Waverns. Do we ever decide how to say it? I say Waverns, but I don't know. Wyverns. Maybe I just play I like that. Warcraft. I don't know. No, that's perfect. Uh, so they're basically the dragons, like dragons with no arms. Well, it turns out you need arms to play baseball because they are 12 and 23. So they're really bad. They're in second okay. to last place with a 343 winning percentage, but that's all right. You shouldn't feel bad about this. I mean, we did almost no re I think Justin probably did the most research into his team selection. And it's a tale of two stories. I mean, you you chose a team based on its name, and so did I, and it's just different outcomes. There's no skill. Total luck. I ordered I ordered a KBO. I ordered an NC Dinos t-shirt. I'm so excited Perfect. about it. I ordered it a month ago. It hasn't even been made yet. I literally clicked on the link just before the show. I clicked on the link to the product that I bought, and the page is no longer available. So I actually don't know if I'm going to get the t-shirt. I think you might want to call your credit card company there, Sam Bino. <laughs> it's possible, but I, I'm super jazzed about the dinos, not just because they're really good, but they actually have an incredible following in the United States because I don't know if you're a geography person or if you just know the name of the states, but NC stands for North Carolina. That's they also right. happen to share color schemes with Tar Heels who are in North Carolina. So everyone in North Carolina watches the NC Dinos. And now all these fucking Carolinans are fired up about Korean baseball. Well, good. That's fantastic. 
So here's here's where Ben baseball becomes a wet blanket as as usual because I'm now reading worse wet would you say <laughs> yes exactly yes um here's the thing about about Korean baseball I hear that Korean baseball might not be back like the the players are making their full salary and there's no income aside from like the TV rights because there's no one in the audience. So I read an article today that for as awesome as Korean baseball is, we need to appreciate it and potentially try to save it because really? it, it's kind of I'm I'm not saying that you could have a you know successful business that no one pays attention to, um, but that's that's what they're trying. They're trying the sensibly loud model, and I don't know if it's working for them. That's kind of scary, right? I mean, this is not an apples to apples comparison between the MLB and the KBO. The KBO is like college plus. They rely on their the NC, every start of every team name is a sponsor. We're not saying the city name. That's a sponsor. They are right. dependent on their sponsors and their TV rights to be successful. The MLB is not that way. They have so many other avenues to be successful financially, but that is still very, very scary. Um, the consideration that a league could disappear that quickly to me. Yeah, I, I think they've only been around like 10 years too, but it, it makes me really want you to check your credit card company because I don't want the dinos to try to use Sam Bino's line of credit to try to get them past the postseason. Uh, let me look up how much that was. Sorry, that was a $26 shirt. Oh, I got well a th three-quarter lengths, just like the one that you're familiar with. Same company. Um, if they take my $26 and I get KBO next year and I don't get a shirt, you're right. I should call my credit card company. I'll be <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> and Sambino will be back. He is holding for a phone call. Um, no, so there's actually one... Yeah, exactly. There's one other baseball thing that I want to bring up to you. We got probably seven or eight minutes left. So I want to know what your take is if you've had a chance to check out Long Gone Summer. Do you know what I'm talking about? I so that is Sorry. the 30 for 30 that's coming out this week on the home run chase between McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Could you say the title again? Sorry. Long Gone Summer. On it. So it looks like it came out, it's either came out last weekend or it's coming out this weekend, but it's basically like that chase, the 1999 chase of Roger Maris's home run record, um, you know, with Maguire and Sosa. What's really cool about this era, oh, sorry, what were we going to say? I was going to say, that sounds deeply satisfying. I want to watch this badly. Well, that's that the thing is, is even if you do it poorly, like... That's formative baseball years for us. I was 10 when that was going on. Like, I vividly remember, you know, did Mark hit one? Did Sammy hit one? Like, every day it'd be worth checking. And even in Nowheresville, Texas, growing up, like, there was a home run counter on the front page. Like, it'd be like today's weather and how many home runs McGuire and Sosa have. <laughs> yeah, I remember this. This was fantastic times to be a baseball fan. But uh, I, I am glad that I was not older um, to appreciate how they got those home runs. Exactly. And that's the other side of it. Because, remember, who currently holds the home run record? Barry Bonds. That's right. 
because in 2001, so not three years after the Maguire Sosa chase, Barry Bonds jacked 71 dingers that year. Uh, he's currently the home run record with the asterisks. Um, but no, I, I'm excited about the documentary. 30 for 30, they tend to do a good job. Full disclosure, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to talk about it once I do. Um, yeah. We've talked about it on this podcast before. I'm a huge fan of Ken Burns documentaries. I'm currently going back through Ken Burns Jazz uh, because I have no life. But I've heard of that one. They're all over Netflix. I haven't seen a jazz one. So it's like a, depths of the internet or something. No, it's, it's on prime. Jesus. Yeah. So I've, it's I've that one. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's deep. Like you're talking, you know, ragtime and Dixieland swing and the true origins of jazz. And it's fantastic. Um, but you know, that's what I'm currently going through. However, Every year, I try to at least go back through the Ken Burns baseball documentary. And in the sort of add-on episode 10 and 11, he covers the home run chase. And not only is it great just from a content standpoint of like, you know, the excitement and the energy and the buildup of, of that whole year, it also talks about Andrew and all of the... Oh. who's juicing and who's, you know, and what is this? And even as like Bud Selig talking about trying to go to a pharmacy, looking for what this new drug that they found in McGuire's locker. I'm so, in. Exactly. So that's going to be Sam's homework. My homework. We'll tell J Mac about it, but long gone summer is the name of it. It's from the people who uh, do the 30 for thirties on the ESPN. Sam Bino, you have any other final closing thoughts for us? Stay safe out there, America. Crazy times. Can't wait to talk next week. That's right. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening to the Outfielder Podcast, a product of Sensibly Loud Media. Uh, huge props to J-Mac, wherever he may be. Uh, our thoughts are with him. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate, review, subscribe. That helps us out a ton. Uh, don't forget, check us out. We are all over your social medias. That's the Facebook. That's the good old Twitter. That's Instagram. Wherever you like it, Make sure to find us. We are Sensibly Loud Media. That's the Outfielder Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all with the sharp eyes, keep the runners close. Don't text and drive. Wash your hands and Black Lives Matter. Have a great one. We will see you next week from the Outfielder Podcast.